You've heard that analogy of getting the right people in the right seats on the bus, the Jim I mean, Collins thing. If your business is a bus, just like anything, there are going to be breakdowns. There are going to be detours. There are going to be issues that come up. And so the question is, how do you keep people on the bus when the bus breaks down? <laughs> the bus <laughs> takes a detour, right? Yeah. Um, I can tell you there's not a single person on the planet that a year ago today saw COVID coming and was ready for it, right? Yeah. Every yeah. business took a detour yeah. in 2020. Yeah. So how do you keep the people on the bus when there's a detour? Mm-hmm. Well, if I'm on the bus and I'm not excited about where the bus is going, because I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go there again. Um, as soon as there's a detour, the bus breaks down. What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to get off the bus. Right. Like, I don't want to go there anyways. And now you're creating this extra inconvenience in my life. You're creating stress in my life. You're creating these things that I don't want. Mm-hmm. And I'm really not excited about where we're going. So I'm going to get off the bus and go find another bus to get on. Mm-hmm. But when people are excited about the destination, mm-hmm. let's say we're all going on a fishing trip up in the mountains and everybody's excited about going on that fishing trip. Well, if it takes a little couple extra days, months, years to get there, but we're super excited about the fishing trip, we're going to still go on the fishing trip. We're going to hang out on the bus when it breaks down. Or heck, if the bus even breaks down, maybe we get excited to help get the bus back up and running. Get it fixed, yeah. You know, so if we're excited about the destination, you can bring people together and they're going to be aligned behind that common goal of we want to get to the fishing trip. You are listening to the Align Remotely podcast, the show dedicated to helping you lead distributed teams under difficult circumstances. I'm the host, Luke Shermer, and I've participated in or run distributed teams for almost a decade. As a practitioner, I'm speaking with experts on leadership, strategic alignment, and remote work to help you navigate the issues you start facing after you get your working from home gear sorted. Welcome back. Uh, today on the podcast, we have Ryan Englin, who is a recruiter focused on a really interesting area, specifically blue-collar hiring. And the main reason that I wanted to speak with him was to get out of uh, my own comfort zone, to, so to speak, and talk about the impact of the pandemic on non, let's say, computer-based jobs, office-based jobs. And also just talk about hiring in general. So how to think about it, what matters, any tips he has. And uh, we ended up covering a lot more than just that. So for example, how to grow by reducing staff turnover, why focusing on recruiting can bolster your sales and marketing in service industries, why you are Uh, tripping yourself up if you're primarily attracting candidates using better pay packages. One thing you really have to do if you want to attract great candidates. And also the biggest fear managers have when hiring remote workers and how to overcome it. So let's get on with the show. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the Line Remotely podcast. So let's get started with uh, this whole topic of just blue collar and white collar. What do you think? White collar and blue collar are so different. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, just the mindset, just if we started there, forget the work, <laughs> forget all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, um, sure, sure. You know, but just the mindset of, of the two types. Well, what, do you uh, mean, what do you mean by the, the mindset difference then? So blue collar, a lot of the mindset is more, 
what results did I get today? Whereas white collar tends to have a little bit longer of a uh, runway on that. Like, hey, how'd the week go? How'd the month go? Um, I got a friend of mine that runs an IT company. He's like, by Friday, 10 tickets. You know, is all that's allowed to be left in the queue. And in the blue collar, they'd be like, by noon, you're allowed to have this much not done. And it's like, it's just a different mindset. Wow. Um, people leave a lot faster in blue collar too. Like I've got a client that he set a record. It was like an hour and a half and the gal walked <laughs> off the job. Wow. <laughs> like that doesn't tend to happen in white collar. So in blue collar, they tend to put a lot less effort into hiring because they have this kind of turnover. They're like, why invest the time? I'm like, if you invested the time, maybe you wouldn't have the turnover issues. <laughs> yeah, chicken or the egg, <laughs> which one? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess you could streamline it a bit. Maybe I'm thinking from too much of a white collar perspective. If you streamline it, it makes it feel a little bit more white glove to the people being onboarded or used to being kind of... Well, and that's and a dumps. big part of what I do is I, I take a lot of that white collar mindset, which is more human focused <laughs> and I teach it That's to horrible. my clients. I know That's it's awful. It's a, it sounds awful, but you know, in the blue collar space, it's very much, they're a, they're a cog in the machine and that's the way they treat it as a cog in the machine. So they're almost disposable, right. you know, like replaceable. So, which isn't true, which is why they're having problems hiring. But Right, right, um, right. But that's been the mentality for so many years. It's just, it's harder to change that. So the, the mentality on the manager side, not on the employee side. Correct. Employees want to be treated more like, you know, an asset and like be valued based. and those kinds yeah. of things. The management's like, we don't have time for that. It's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. Yeah. It's uh, insane. But I love it. <laughs> so I love the challenge. I can imagine. So what industries are you typically working in? A lot of construction, home services. It's a big one. Uh, anybody that's field services and then uh, manufacturing are the ones that I usually work with. So how have they, have they all been equally affected by the pandemic or? So construction hasn't really been hit yet. Mm -hmm. especially like commercial construction, because those projects were all, money was all set aside last year. Right. So they're still pushing through. They're going to feel it next year because everybody pulled back for the 2021, 2022 projects. Home services has gone gangbusters because everybody's working from home. Yeah. And so people are like, oh, that plumbing issue, I need to get fixed. And the light's not working in the office anymore. So they've just gone nuts. They've been buried. And then manufacturing, I haven't really... I don't have a lot of manufacturing clients, but it just kind of depends on if you're in PPE, forget it. <laughs> it just really depends on where you're at. So what does what does PPE stand for? Sorry, I don't Oh, don't know personal that protective equipment, gloves, right. masks, got it. Um, okay. face shields, gowns, all that stuff. If you're in that, it's gone nuts, but I don't have any clients that are in that. I guess you've had some experience helping with recruiting of white collar versus blue collar. How did you transition from one to the other? Well, my corporate experience was all white collar. Right. So when I worked at corporate, that's all it was. Mm -hmm. um, it was bankers. It was underwriters. It was, yeah, that's what I did in corporate. And then uh, when I came over to and started my own company, mm -hmm. my focus was all home services. My dad was in manufacturing. I grew up in blue collar. When my clients started pulling back on their advertising and on their marketing, I ended up 
transitioning and saying, hey, how can I help them hire better people? I have a background in recruiting. So how do I make that happen? And I went to a couple of them and I found huge success. Primarily, there wasn't a lot of competition in that space. Hmm. Well, and it's always so, a good, good place to start a business. <laughs> yeah, good, good and bad. Like the great thing about being in the blue ocean is that there's no competition. The bad thing about being in the blue ocean is sometimes there's no customers. <laughs> so, uh, so that's been the biggest challenge for me is getting people to realize that there's somebody out here that does what I do. And so I ended up just staying in the blue collar space and focusing on helping people hire the technicians because that was was on tap. There was no one doing that. And uh, I mean, they're staffing agencies, but they don't want to solve the problem because their business model is dependent on the problem continuing to exist. Right. So just quickly Um, switch people in and out. Yeah. Right. So. In the very beginning, when you were first talking to people, were you being perceived as a staffing agency or? One of the biggest hurdles I had to overcome was the idea of me being either a staffing agency or a recruiter. Right. And I'm neither of those. So how are you different than a recruiter, than a staffing agency, I understand? Yeah, so I don't actually source the talent. Mm-hmm. What we do is we implement our system inside of the companies and we teach them how to source the talent themselves. Uh, right, okay, interesting, interesting. So I guess these are slightly larger companies then? So my smallest company is getting ready to hire their first person. My smallest client is getting okay. ready to hire their first person. They want to do it right. Um, most of my clients are 30 plus employees, mm-hmm. but um, my largest clients right around 200, 250. Mm-hmm. So I don't go much larger than that mm-hmm. for us. So we're teaching them how to do it themselves and implementing our processes and systems inside of the company. Okay. Looping back on the pandemic angle, have these processes helped handle the rough riding at the moment? Has it not really changed that much? So my home service clients are going nuts because they can't find talent fast enough. I mean, yeah. That was a problem they had before. It's a problem they still have. But one of the great advantages of our process is that it helps reduce turnover. Mm-hmm. You slow down the hiring process, you reduce turnover. Most companies... Hiring issues have to do with backfilling open positions, not with just growth. It's not like every company's hockey sticking and they're growing by 200% and they just constantly need more people. Hmm. 60, 70% of the hiring issues are because they, someone vacated a seat and they have to refill it. And they're constantly filling these open seats. And so if we stop that problem, the hiring becomes a lot easier. How does hiring work for blue collar positions? So I think one of the biggest challenges the blue collar companies have had is that they have focused on recruiting through pay. And so it's, I'm going to pay you 50 cents more an hour if you come work for me. Mm -hmm. And that's been the way they've attracted people. Well, that works great for company B who stole the employee from company A. But when company C does that and company D does that, and then company A comes back to the guy like you worked for me two years ago and now you're making $8 more an hour because he's constantly jumping around making 50 cents or a dollar more an hour. And what it's done is it's artificially inflated market wages mm-hmm. in the blue collar space because there's a shortage of people coming into the industries. And 
So now they're at this point where they're having to pay so much to get the high quality people because they did this whole, I'll pay you 50 cents more an hour. I mean, I have clients that are like, bring me your paycheck and I'll match your pay or pay you more. That's how they recruit. Right, and right. they've been doing that for a decade, if not longer. Hmm. In some areas, you've got electricians that are making eight to $10 more than they should be in that market. And it's really hard for the employers to control their margins. So our focus is much more on instead of hiring, instead of attracting people through their paycheck, mm-hmm. attract them through things like your culture, your purpose, values, the benefits that you can offer them that are not monetary. That's all industries. A lot of the modern workforce has given up on this idea of, I need to make a lot of money. I need to work for somebody for 30 years. I need to retire with a pension. Like that just doesn't happen anymore. Doesn't, yeah. And so what we do is we coach our clients to stop thinking about a paycheck and start thinking about a purpose. Give them a reason to get out of bed in the morning that's not, I got to pay the bills. And that's what will attract people to you. And that's what will keep people long term. Hi there. This is Luke. And just for a quick bit of backstory, this podcast is part of my process to create a book called Align Remotely, uh, which will cover roughly the same topics as we have on the podcast. If you'd like a free advanced copy of the book, I'd be more than happy to give you one. Just to be clear, it's totally free. There's eight chapters as of today available for pre-sale and people are buying it right now. And this offer will go away as soon as the book is fully launched. My main request is that you leave a review of the podcast using ratethispodcast.com slash alignremotely. It's designed to work on your phone, but you can do it at your desk too. And then forward me a screenshot of that to customer success at alignremotely.com. And I'll hook you right up. Just take a quick break, ratethispodcast.com slash alignremotely and get your free copy now. Is there a remote component at all (laughs) in something like home services? The interesting thing about construction and home services is they were remote before remote was a thing. If you think about it, Mm -hmm. your home service tech is is in front of a windshield 12 hours a day Mm -hmm. and out working remotely in the field. Uh, And so keeping someone attached to your company culture and feeling like they're a part of the team has been a challenge for home services since the day they started. Hmm. Uh, Most home services companies will have inside sales reps. They'll have customer support agents. They'll have billing agents. And those are remote positions. Mm -hmm. Those can work from home. A lot of them though, because their entire field staff is remote, a lot of them like to keep them in an office. So at least feel some semblance of a team environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there are components of that that are remote. And if you think even construction, you hire these people and they go out to a job site. Right. How do you stay connected with them remote? So the same issues that a lot of companies are dealing with today around that remote environment, uh, construction and home services have been dealing with that for decades. So in the case of something like window cleaning, do they have multiple people going together to client sites just to have a little bit more of a... Sometimes, yeah, it really just depends on the business model and the types of jobs in a commercial environment. Yeah, they would have multiple people. 
sometimes there's a safety requirement for that. Just you got to have someone else from a safety perspective. Hmm. I've seen a couple of our clients, they've started to double up and make teams so that when they go to a, a client site, you've got two people working on it, which doubles the billable hours, but it reduces the amount of time there, there so it washes out, but it, then it creates that little bit more of a team environment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of the dynamic I was asking about. Yeah, because I know that from programming. <laughs> it's like a, a way of, of working yeah. better, uh, get people to work together, and then they bond a little bit and figure stuff out together. A, so A lot of it's about letting people create that human connection. Hmm. I mean, these, these are human beings with hopes and goals and dreams and, and families they want to take care of and all of this stuff. And so a lot of our coaching with our clients is around that concept. Mm -hmm. of having a personal conversation with these people because most of the industry is not investing in people personally. Mm -hmm. They're looking at them as a cog in the machine and they forget that there's a human being and a family and, and you know, goals and dreams and all of that stuff behind it. Mm -hmm. So if we can break down and start having that conversation early on in the employee employer relationship, we can create long-term mutual benefit for, for both. And that's an important piece of what we do. So it sounds like part of it is just connecting the dots between these things, like the fact that they need to be a little bit, have a little bit more of a connection with the people they hire. You've heard that analogy of getting the right people in the right seats on the bus. The Jim I mean, Collins thing. If your business is a bus, just like anything, there are going to be breakdowns. There are going to be detours. There are going to be issues that come up. And so the question is, how do you keep people on the bus when the bus breaks down? <laughs> the bus <laughs> takes a detour, right? Yeah. Um, I can tell you there's not a single person on the planet that a year ago today saw COVID coming and was ready for it, right? Yeah. Every yeah. business took a detour yeah. in 2020. Yeah. So how do you keep the people on the bus when there's a detour? Mm -hmm. Well, if I'm on the bus and I'm not excited about where the bus is going, because I'm like, oh, I really don't want to go there again. Um, as soon as there's a detour, the bus breaks down. What's the first thing I'm going to do? I'm going to get off the bus. Right. Like, I don't want to go there anyways. And now you're creating this extra inconvenience in my life. You're creating stress in my life. You're creating these things that I don't want. Mm -hmm. And I'm really not excited about where we're going. So I'm going to get off the bus and go find another bus to get on. Mm -hmm. But when people are excited about the destination, mm -hmm. Let's say we're all going on a fishing trip up in the mountains and everybody's excited about going on that fishing trip. Well, if it takes a little couple extra days, months, years to get there, but we're super excited about the fishing trip, we're going to still go on the fishing trip. We're going to hang out on the bus when it breaks down. Or heck, if the bus even breaks down, maybe we get excited to help get the bus back up and running. Get a fix, yeah. You know, so if we're excited about the destination... You can bring people together and they're going to be aligned behind that common goal of we want to get to the fishing trip mm -hmm. in that example. And so if you think of your business as a bus, getting the right people on the bus is only part of the challenge. The other mm -hmm. challenge is getting people excited about the destination. And when people are excited about the destination, incredible things can happen. Our focus, we look at vision, we look at purpose, and we align people to that. Mm -hmm. If I know that we're going on a fishing trip, I'm going to have that conversation early on. And people that aren't excited about going on the fishing trip, they'll probably just never get on the bus. With the vision and the purpose, is that something you work mostly with the... Do you work with the whole company? Do you work mostly with the managers? 
We have a component of our process called core, mm-hmm. which is the foundational component of the, the all the work we do. Mm-hmm. And inside of core are two things. And number one is the vision mm-hmm. for the organization. And within vision, we have values. We have purpose. We have the mission. We have all of that, that, that foundational component. And then we also have what we call the compelling company story. Yeah. Is how do you promote and market the company? And that work is done directly with the owner or the leadership team. Mm-hmm. Once that work is done, everything else we do happens at the level of whoever's doing recruiting, whether it's an office manager, whether it's HR, we build those processes and systems there. But that foundational work is done with the leaders of the organization. And then we have processes to help them disseminate that. And a lot of times companies have values, they have their purpose, they've already gone through this exercise, whether it's EOS or something else, but they've never really thought about it from a marketing perspective. Hmm. Because that's what's going to draw people to your company. That's what's going to get them on the bus, get them excited about it. So like marketing to prospective employees, you mean, or in general? Yeah. So to prospective employees. So we take a, like a marketing first approach to recruiting. Mm -hmm. I believe that if you want to attract good people to your company, you have to be attractive to good people. Mm -hmm. So that attraction component is marketing. It's your messaging. It's your brand. It's all, you know, what people say about you, your online reputation, social proof, all of those marketing pieces of your company impact whether or not you can attract good people to your company. Hmm. And then I guess the other side of this is going back to more of a business perspective. I would assume for these companies, human resource costs are a significant portion of their overall costs. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're what's producing, providing their service or product is, is the human being. So payroll costs are 80, 90% of their expenses. Payroll costs are the number one thing. So if you got high turnover, if you got unproductive employees, everything suffers from that. Yeah, kind of, <laughs> you feel the pain right away. Yeah. Yeah, I, I actually encourage our clients to start looking at their people as a profit center. Mm-hmm. Because if you have unproductive, unengaged employees, or you've got high turnover, that's just sucking away your profits. Mm-hmm. And if you start hiring right, and you can get people engaged, you can get them in productive, you can make them profitable. Yeah, that's great. In terms of advice that you would have for people who are hiring remotely for these type of roles for the first time. There's two pieces to that, and I'll answer both of them. If, if So one is advice for helping people hire, and then the other part is the remote hiring. So one of the things that I've seen businesses do over the last decade is put a lot of energy and effort into their sales and marketing processes. We've got to have a way to market to customers. We have to have a way to close customers. We have to have a way to service customers. And they put a ton of effort into those processes. But they've never really put a lot of effort into their people processes. And I would suggest that you flip where you put the effort. Because if you put your effort into your people, your people will build your sales and marketing processes for you. The right people will want to take care of your customers. The right people will help you close more customers. The right people will help you market to your customers. So my challenge to everybody is start thinking about their people, their recruiting processes, their onboarding processes, the way they engage employees, and start putting as much or more effort into that than you have your sales and marketing processes. Hmm. 
because most businesses have never really thought about the recruiting engine, if you will. They've always put their effort into their sales and marketing engine. Yeah, yeah. And what we see is if you can put your energy into your recruiting engine and you get the right people on the bus, they're going to help you keep that bus running. They're going to help you get to that destination every time. And so if you can get people that are bought into your vision and to everything else, it's going to be a game changer for you. So that would be the, the first thing is really start thinking about your recruiting processes. What are you doing to measure that? Measure effectiveness. What systems do you have in place? And I would say there's probably some medium-sized companies that have never even heard of an applicant tracking system. Right. Uh, an applicant tracking system is a game changer for recruiting. Mm-hmm. It's like a CRM, except it, the focus is on applications. On the remote side of things, realize that the right people, and again, I'm going to go back to this, like the people that are aligned to the destination of your company, they're going to be productive remotely. Now, it might be weird hours. It, there might be accommodations you have to provide, especially if they have kids at home and those kinds of things. Like my kids are back doing distance learning at home. Yeah. That's a super distraction. Yeah. So we've had to put boundaries in place around when I'm available and those kinds of things. And, and I think if you recognize that your employees want to do a good work, like inherently, I believe that people want to work and they want to do a good job. Yeah. I, I believe that. Mm-hmm. And if we take that approach and say, okay, they want to work, but I have to accommodate some things. Mm-hmm. I have to maybe give them a flexible start time. Or I have to give them some flexibility around breaks throughout the day. And I focus on what outputs am I getting? You had a guest not too long ago about the results only work environment. When you think about remote work, if you focus on their results and not their inputs, you're going to engage people. And so I think a lot of the companies that have had to make this massive shift and do it quickly to remote work have forgotten about the fact that they have to change their processes and their systems to accommodate the people that are doing remote work. It's not the same as it used to be where you can just walk up, knock on their desk and go, hey, you got a minute? <laughs> um, and they I talk for that, an hour. <laughs> I got the got, a, the got a minute culture. I talk yeah. about that with my clients. I'm like, do you have a got a minute culture around here? And they're like, what the got a minute culture? You know, when someone knocks on your door, they're like, hey, you got a minute. And 15 minutes later, they're still talking to you. And you're like, I was in the middle of something. I was almost done. <laughs> <laughs> and your minute turned into 15. Now I'm going to take an hour to figure out where I was. Like that culture is bad, by the way. I don't think that's a healthy culture. But if you're not willing to make the accommodations to a remote environment, you're, people are never going to be productive. Hmm. And I think that's the thing that most people are scared of when they're hiring remote people is what if this person can't work from home on their own? What if they can't work remotely on their own? What if I have to micromanage them? And you have to realize that you've got to set clear boundaries with people, provide them the accommodations. I know a couple of clients that have really struggled with this remote idea, but it's crazy when you hire good people, they'll get on, they'll get online and they'll start working again after the kids go to bed. Yeah even though that's not the normal defined workday. Yeah. So understanding that and providing accommodations for that, I think is really critical and being really clear in your job ad about it. So if you're looking to hire good people from a remote remotely, get really clear up front. This is our expectations. This is our process. This is the accommodations we're willing to provide. 
believe it or not, people do read job ads still. Yeah. I know a lot of employers would say, do they even read this stuff? Yeah. Uh, but the people that want to work for you, they will. They'll read those. So just be really clear up front on what you're willing to provide. That was really a great conversation with Ryan. I picked up quite a few things which I didn't know before. For one, I was surprised that Blue Collar was in the fields and therefore remote in a way that I didn't quite connect the dots, but it, it does make sense that a lot of the issues that companies have with remote workers in the Blue Collar area, they were already also experiencing them when they were working at client sites. The other thing that I thought was quite useful was the whole idea that great hiring has lots of implications. It reduces turnover and your cost around that, but also it helps with marketing and sales. And that customer experience is so much better, which leads to great word of mouth marketing. Tune in next week. We'll continue with part two of the interview with Ryan Englund. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Align Remotely podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 